When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, the Sooners were outcoached and outplayed in Waco, so we recap OU's loss to Baylor. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap the other big games in Week 11, including TCU, Oklahoma State, and Michigan, Penn State. And we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend, which is where we talk about Texas losing to Kansas. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 15th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Ted's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in November from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $115,000 in cash bonus play and prizes in Riverwind's $115,000 Let's Get Digital promotion. Preliminary drawings are every 30 minutes and grand prize drawings will happen at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now recording this Sunday afternoon, uh, several hours early because, well, I want to go watch Blake Griffin uh, play the Thunder tonight. That's just full disclosure. So we are we're recording it right after the early slate of NFL games. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, this is not going to be a podcast where we come on here and say, we told you so. But New Baylor was a really, really good team. And I, I felt that we tried to get that across in the preview podcast. We got a lot of feedback that we were giving Baylor too much credit. We were hyping them up too much. And the reality of it is maybe we didn't hype them up enough because that was an ass kicking in Waco on Saturday. It was other than a, a late touchdown, you know, 
garbage time touchdown borderline. I mean, there, we still had somewhat a path to, uh, to getting back in the game, but yeah. Um, rarely have I seen, especially in the big 12, maybe never in the big 12, but rarely have I seen a game where Oklahoma just looked like they weren't the better team. Like, Look, Baylor looked like they were the better football team. Looked like there was more talent out there. Looked like they were more prepared. Looked like they handled the situational football aspect better. Just a, uh, like you said, they they kicked our ass, plain and simple. Yep. And you know we're gonna we're gonna break it down both sides of the ball like we always do. But uh, I think. It is important to remember that football at its core is a rather simple game, right? And if you line two teams up, normally, now uh, sometimes, you know, weird things happen in a game, but normally the more physical football team wins the game, right? It's how this game has always been. That's how this game will continue to be until they're no longer playing this game. And Baylor was undoubtedly the more physical team on both sides of the football. And there's just, when you watch the film, it's easy to see. I don't think it was probably hard to see for the fans to see either. It was, it was clear that Baylor was the more physical team. They hit harder. They blocked longer. They made more plays. And they had more of a sense of urgency. Right, you you turn on the tape, and one team looks like they're playing like their life depends on it, and the other one looks very—I don't know—just sleepy. I, I don't know the word for it. It was just yeah. weird, man. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think OU's won so many games, and I, this is not making an excuse at all, but. I, I think it may be a reality. They've won so many games that a lot of times you just show up and expect it to happen, right? You expect it to happen instead of coming out on edge, um, knowing that there's a chance that if you don't play your absolute best, that you're going to lose this game and maybe lose it bad. Uh, it just looked like we didn't have that edge for whatever reason. And maybe that's the only thing I can think of of why you would, how you could go into a game like that and not have an edge. It's, you know, ultimately it's inexcusable, but you know, it did happen. Yep. Uh, okay. Let's get, let's start with the offense, right? Cause I think out of the two units, it was clear that the offense was the big issue and defense actually, I thought held up there into the bargain, uh, but we'll get to that. So I, I wanted to start here and to anyone that has listened to this podcast from when we started it, you have probably been able to sense my frustration with Oklahoma's run game. And first of all, it is really hard to go on the road and to beat good teams when you cannot run the football. It's hard. And Baylor's a good team. That's what happened. They couldn't run it. So we'll get into how the offensive line played and all that. But my main frustration point from this game, because I thought it was magnified in this game, and this frustration has been building for me for nearly two seasons now. They need to take a serious look 
at their run schemes. They need to reevaluate what they are doing when it comes to the schematics of running the football. What they do is too complicated. They have made it harder than it needs to be. They've made it entirely too complicated. These elaborate, cute concepts, they work against shitty teams. But when they play defenses worth a damn at the line of scrimmage, we see what happens. They can't run the football against teams that are good at the line of scrimmage. They just can't. And there's entirely too much position blocking, shield blocking, whatever you want to call it. There's not enough velocity off the line of scrimmage. Everything is too measured. Everything is too difficult. They can't run the football. And they play with no force in the running game. It's very horizontal. Very little of it is downhill and forceful. And it was magnified because I watched Baylor do it. I, you, you were able to see what a forceful run game looks like. And it wasn't perfect. And I thought the defense did a really good job, right, for three quarters. Abram Smith, he got half of his rushing yards on that one play, right, the 175-yarder. Mm -hmm. But it wore on Oklahoma's defense because they are playing with force. They're playing with velocity. OU's run game doesn't do that. They don't, they, they don't do that. And it's as if lining up, and running base concepts that every other team in the country runs is just not cool enough for this program right now. It's not creative enough. There's a reason every team in the country runs stretch. It's because it's one of the hardest plays to defend in all of football. Yeah. I, I, I do not understand. Right, instead of you know running outside zone, running stretch, running traditional power, you know running some traditional counter with all the twelve personnel stuff they're doing, you think that they would get to the bread bread and butter plays in those personnel groupings that have existed for forever for a reason. But instead, they've got Jeremiah Hall going out blocking at the point of attack for three seconds while Tyrese Robinson runs around the entire offensive line and goes out and is pulling on the edge. Like, what is that? What, what, what is that? And that was the only, and the only reason they had success on one of those plays is because Baylor completely misfit it. Yeah. So I, I just, it's frustrating to watch. Like I watched Georgia. I watched Baylor in that game. I watched Oklahoma state run stretch, and just destroy TCU with it. And then Oklahoma's running all this elaborate gap scheme stuff with all of these moving parts. It's entirely too complicated. It's unnecessary. You have better players than everyone. Yeah. Why is it this complicated, Ted? I don't get it, man. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't know. Um, you bring up a lot of good points, and I'll just add another one. And... 
you know, and it hasn't hurt them a whole lot up to this point, but I think it could. I, you don't run any of that stuff at the next level. So, you know, your, your schemes like that you're running in college don't mirror up with what you're going to be running at the next level. At the next level, it's, I mean, it's almost exclusively zone stuff, uh, inside and outside zone. You'll have gap stuff, but not like that. I mean, I don't know. I think I've seen maybe the Chiefs do it one or a handful of times where they pull the guard and the tackle around, but teams just don't do that at the next level. Uh, it's too difficult. So uh, it is interesting. You know, the the one thing that really kills that play, the, the gap, scuff, uh, gap scheme stuff that we do is whenever whenever teams force it, like physically come and force it, and because you're telling everyone where you're running the ball, you're creating a hole and trying to run it right there. And when teams come up physically and force it right there, it's shut down. There's nowhere to go. Conversely, the zone scheme stuff, you watch Baylor, when they run stretch, it can it can go from sideline and almost sideline where that running play is going to go. And you have to defend it. And you can isolate different players. And if there's a weakness across any of that front, you're going to find it. A good running back is going to find it. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know if that's something that they're going to do and maybe overhaul in the off season, but it's kind of hard to do it. Well, I guess it's not that hard to do it mid season, but we saw him kind of go out and do it, uh, some of that against Kansas state and had a lot of success. Ran versions of zone 20 plus times in that game. And then just went away from it. Too successful, I suppose. Not cool enough. I don't know. All I know is that there's a lot of successful teams in the National Football League and in college football that run the hell out of those plays. And from a recruiting perspective, and you and I have talked about this, the fact that OU doesn't do a lot of that stuff, I think it hurts them in recruiting because if you turn on the tape and you look at what OU does for these elite offensive linemen, some of these other coaches go, hey, have you watched them play? Have you watched their run schemes? They don't yeah. run what they run in the NFL. That's a problem. And I listen, they've had an unbelievable amount of success doing it this way for years, right? So I, I you have to respect that. But you have to reevaluate what you're, what you're doing when it comes to the run game if you're Oklahoma. You just have to. Because too often, they get into games against good defenses, and they cannot do anything when it comes to running the football. No, we ran it for under three yards of carry. Um, and even the QB run game stuff. It's way too, like, remember, successful QB run game, right? It's simple. I, I'm not here to compliment Sam Ellinger a lot, right? That's not something we've done a lot of, but, hey, they dialed up QB power, QB sweep. They kept it simple with that guy. Some zone read, keep it simple. OU's trying to run like delay QB draw where he's taking a fake drop and like doing all this. It's like, if you're going to run the quarterback, run him. It's like QB zone, he's feeling it out. Yep. I'm like, what are what, the timing's all weird? It's like everything about it. Well, I, the timing's weird on it because you don't specialize in zone. So whenever you try to run like a zone read look, it's just, it, it's, it all ends up looking a little bit different to, it's a different feel. 
Yeah, Teddy, I don't know, I, man. It's two games in a row where we haven't rushed for over 100 yards. I chart every play. Chart every play. They ran boot before they ran zone. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Right. So, I, I don't know. You know it, maybe I'm. Maybe I just don't know enough about football, but I've seen I've seen a lot of successful running teams in my day, and they run a lot of different stuff than Oklahoma runs right now. I'm just saying. Okay, let's. Well, uh, just one more point. Oklahoma, we have gotten worse rushing the football over the last maybe two or three years. Now, Jalen Hurts' year that kind of changed some things because of how much he ran it, quarterback run. But the last two years, the running game has not been there. And you can tell it makes our offense way more difficult to uh, to go out there and have some production. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. Got to look. Tiger got out of the cage a little bit, a little fired up. I'm just tired of watching it. But, okay. Well, I guess this isn't going to be any more positive. Caleb Williams in this football game. Now, the hand stomp certainly didn't help things, right? It's important to acknowledge that. Now, I don't think uh, uh, some people think that was dirty and on purpose. I do not. I think it was just a really unfortunate accident that JT Woods jumped on his hand and then just crushed it. Yeah, not good. Couldn't have felt good. But horrible. with, with how talented he is, with how talented Caleb Williams is, that's about as bad as he can play. He looked rattled. The QB run game, which was a big part of the game plan coming into this one, and they didn't get too much of it for whatever reason, but when they did, his timing was off. He, he rushed things. It just it, it was not smooth in those concepts. And then going into the game, we knew if they struggled running it that he was going to have to make some big-time throws. Right, he was going to have to fit the ball in some small windows, like we saw Chandler Morris do last week, and he just didn't make those throws. Those throws just didn't happen. And you you look at you look at the mistakes he made, just critical critical mistakes in the passing game from him. Uh, the first interception, just an awful decision, right out of your own end zone. Uh, you just can't make that throw, Ted. Uh, I mean, you. I don't know in. Going back and watching it, it's, it's even worse than I remembered it live. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Well, um, just to add on to some of that, you know, whenever you heard Lincoln talk about it, why he made the switch, he didn't mention the hand. Um, he he just mentioned that he needed to calm him down and that he was making a lot of mistakes out there. So, I mean, the, there's glaring mistakes with the interceptions and and some of the the throws that were not on target, but I'm sure there's other stuff going on too. Um, where, you know, whether it's reads or pre-snap stuff or whatever it is out there, he, he was rattled and that goes back to the running game, especially when you got a, a freshman quarterback. And I know that he's an excellent freshman quarterback, but he's still a freshman quarterback on the road against a really good team. That's whenever it helps to have that really good running game to take some of the game off of his shoulders. And we weren't able to do that. It ended up being all on his shoulders. And 
there's quarterbacks that can handle that. Obviously, there are. But as a freshman in that spot, that's a lot. That's that's what the running game is for, is to take the pressure off. Right. And, I mean, just just being honest, Lincoln Riley went to Spencer Rattler knowing Spencer Rattler had the flu. So, <laughs> I think that that says a lot about how Caleb Williams played in that game. Mm-hmm. And his second inter- interception, which we were trying to figure out what happened on the broadcast, right? right? Yep. Ted, and going back and looking at the tape, I figured it out. And it is it really is a microcosm of why Caleb Williams wasn't starting earlier in the year, in my opinion. Because you look at that play. Kennedy Brooks is into the boundary as a wide receiver. Caleb Williams forgot to bring him in motion and put him back in the backfield. He forgot. So then he, he, he carries out a play-action fake to the running back he forgot to motion into the backfield. And at that point, he realizes he is messed up right. and panics. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. oh, no, what have I done? He then tries to throw the ball out of bounds, doesn't throw it far enough, and guess who intercepts it, Ted? The guy that is covering the running back that's not supposed to be there. Yeah. So when you talk about, okay, how bad of a play was it? It's about as bad as it can be, man. Well, yeah, and to add on to it, uh, Petrie blast uh, Hazelwood and dings him all up, too. Or was it? No, it was Mims he hit, right? Mims. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, – and I was surprised. After he made that type of mistake, I, I think that's when Lincoln was like, all right, uh, it may He's be right time. Yep. Now, it wasn't right away, but then Rattler comes in, was was ineffective, you know, was under pressure a little bit, but – I mean, it, the, in my opinion, the game was over at that point. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was almost like, all right, here's our, <laughs> here's our last dish effort. And it just, uh, I mean, looking at the skill guys, when I watched it, it seemed like everyone but Mike Woods and Hazelwood a little bit, but everyone but those two guys, they struggled with the physicality in the back end from mm-hmm. Baylor. Now, to be fair to Oklahoma's wide receivers, Baylor straight up tackled them several times. And for whatever reason, the refs just didn't call it, right? There's not a better an example than the deep ball to Mike Woods where they didn't call P.I. I don't know how they didn't call P.I. I, I don't know. I don't have answers for you. But when, when wide receivers had one-on-ones, one of two things happened. Either the quarterback in the game didn't throw it to him, or they overthrew him. And you, you just, you have to make those plays when you're on the road against a good football team, against a good defense. And even when the wide receivers did get the ball their way, when they were targeted, they had chances, didn't make competitive catches, right? The one that the deep ball to Mims stands out, right? Where he wasn't able to come down to it. Now the one they missed Stogner uh, overthrow, that would have been a huge play in the game. But I mean, you take away Hazelwood's catch in garbage time and the wide receivers. Now, the offense didn't do much of anything, so it's no surprise that the wide receivers, but there was very little separation. And I think it had everything to do with 
the refs really letting them play and wide receivers just not handling it particularly well. Yeah. And one of the things when I was watching Baylor's defense coming into this game was how much they do something that you used to see in college football all the time. You rarely see it now for whatever reason. It's a, it has to do with the way some people line up, but they reroute receivers in zone. I mean, they knock those guys off of their route pattern. They do it real well in cover three, the inside hook players. When, when the number two receivers try and go vertical, as they're expanding through, they blast that guy and take him way off of their route, and it throws, up, throws off the timing and the rhythm and where the guy's going to be. It's not in the same window the quarterback's used to, and Baylor's really good at that. And it just t- goes back and ties back to that overall physicality like you were talking about. I mean, it's – yes, the game is super simple. It's blocking, tackling, catching – running, throwing, and whenever you're off and, you know, even some of the throws that we completed, not hit, not hitting receivers in the proper spot to where they can go after the catch or, or be competitive and fight for extra yards. It's just coming off of a bye week. That's kind of where the frustration lies. It's like you had extra time to make sure that you're prepared for what all they're going to throw at you. But I mean, if if you are not a super physical team, there's not a whole lot you can do week nine of the season to prepare for physicality. Right. You can be rested and you can be healthy. And this team was. They had the bye week. They had pretty much everyone except for Theo Weiss and Deshaun White in this game. And it didn't matter because the other team was more physical. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, why'd they throw so many deep balls? Why didn't they throw the underneath stuff? Ted, you and I watched it. Baylor is excellent in their underneath zone coverage. Mm-hmm. I mean, Petrie, Bernard, those guys do a great job of communicating, passing things off, restricting throwing windows. Anyone that's out there being like, man, they should have worked the underneath stuff. It wasn't there. I mean, it just, yep. uh, a lot of times it just wasn't there. Yep, and they going back to you know the underneath stuff. Whenever teams reroute really well in zone coverage, that's a quarterback's not comfortable throwing it because the guys are in different spots than what he's used to. So it's harder to get there, and, and your vision is all off. And it doesn't help also that would we end up with five sacks? I think given up, and yeah. you know that's it's a big whenever you can't run the ball you're giving up sacks and having negative plays, you become really predictable. And that's not where you want to be against a defense as good as Baylor. Yeah, that's, it is most certainly not in. Okay. That's a good segue into the offensive line because for the most part, man, I thought the pass protection was pretty good. Uh, I, I really did. Uh, now there were some guys taking turns, getting beat, um, running backs had some issues and blitz pickup. We knew that was going to be something that was going to going to show up in this game. But as a whole, pass protection was, I, I didn't think that was the big issue in this game. Especially uh, early. It seemed like yeah. it started to fall apart as the game wore on. I don't know if we got wore, wore out or it, it just kind of had that feeling that Baylor was gaining more and more confidence as the game wore on. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But, okay, just 
going guy by guy, uh, Andrew Rame, all things considered, I didn't think he was awful, right? He certainly had some plays where he stood out where you're just like, man, that, that did not go well for him. But I, I thought he used his hands better. And I, I've just come to this conclusion with Rame that his biggest issues won't be solved into the offseason. He's, he's got a good motor. He's got some nasty to him. But he's just got to get stronger, man. He just he needs to live in the weight room in the offseason. And that's his biggest issue. That and technique. But I, I think the technique stuff is an easy fix. But the strength, Ted, you know, that's important in the interior of the offensive line. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So kids kids gotta have a great offseason. Now, that's not gonna make anyone feel better about these next couple games. I understand that. It's just <laughs> right. the truth. I mean, it's yeah. just the truth. Yeah, it, it at this point, and it really goes for a lot of people. Like when you're this deep into a season, rarely is there going to be an aha moment with anything technique wise, right? You know, that's kind of a going back to the drawing board type of situation. Your coach is going to, you know, go over everything that you've done for the year and give you the the key points that you really need to work on. So yeah, it, it kind of is what it is, and you know. That was a that was a tough assignment. We talked about that quite a bit, you know, with the 350 pounder over the top of him for most of the football game. Yeah, it yeah had some plays where it didn't go well, but also he he honestly against Ika he held up better than I thought he was going to at times. So mm-hmm. you know, kind of so, some some good and some bad. Uh, there's no doubt he's got to get better, and he will get better. Still a young player, but Marquise Hayes, man, I. I don't know. It was, you know, all the complaints I've had about him showed up in this game. And basically, basically it comes down to this. His refusal to play with good technique was exposed in this football game. And and in a game where they needed him to bring the physicality and to create some movement in the interior of that offensive line, he just didn't because he plays with awful technique. Bad feet, bad hands, bad eyes, bad helmet placement, everything. It's all bad. A bad pad level. It's all bad. I position blocking. It just it it all showed up in this one for him. How is that? Is that a just from being able to get away with it for too long, and then and then whenever you go against better teams, it, it gets exposed. Because this seems like a new thing this year, right? It's definitely way worse than it's ever been for him. Like it's, and, and he had played some pretty good games up to this point, but that was against teams that didn't have particularly good defensive lines. You get some quality defensive linemen from Baylor in this one, and it all just it all fell apart for him. I mean, feet, hands, it just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm oh. sure Bill Beanbow's watching the same thing going, hey, I don't teach any of that. Any of it. So, I don't know. Okay, Chris Murray, the other guard, been one of the most consistent guys for them. I didn't think he played particularly well compared to his other performances this season. He did do some good things, but 
he was beaten pass protection and play action several times, had the hold, which was a big penalty in that game. It was just, it was too leaky from Chris. It was just too leaky. And then, uh, even though the right side is definitely the strength of this offensive line, uh, Tyrese Robinson, I, I guess he played the best of all the offensive linemen. When I went through and graded it, I had him with the best grade, but he gave up his inside several times in pass protection and play action stuff. He, w- one thing, and it was only one play. Hey, do you remember the play where you were like, what happened where the yeah. rusher just came free, right? Yeah, he like kicked hard inside, right, to protect yeah, inside. So that's that's a technique issue. Like, and I can't imagine Bill teaches it that way, but maybe he does. So they thought, so basically it's empty protection, and Eric Gray is going to be one-on-one with a linebacker out of the backfield on just like an angle route, and then probably catches it and is one-on-one with the safety if he makes a miss. It's going to be a huge play in that game. But so Doyle kind of looks like he's coming, right? So if you're on that right side, the back is free, free releasing to the right. So you're thinking, hey, I've got to squeeze and then whoever is the edge player for the defense, if he's coming on the pressure, he's got to peel with the back, right? That's how it typically works. But when you're squeezing an empty protection, you get depth off the ball, right? Because if you get depth, if you're squeezing, you're working inside, all of a sudden he bails out, then you can work back out and you can get a hand on the edge rusher. The problem is they squeeze right away. Doyle, the linebacker, doesn't come. He takes one step and then takes Eric Gray man-to-man, and the defensive end is left unblocked. Yeah. It just they- – you, So, can you – do you squeeze it if a back is like an automatic release? So, yeah, so that's treated as empty protection, right? So, you know you know the back is free releasing, mm-hmm. like in the, in the protection call. So, you're thinking, okay, if you're on that side of it, you've got the two inside guys. You've got the most dangerous two guys. So if you've got a defensive tackle and a, and a defensive end to the side and you've got a backer in between them, if that backer looks like he's coming, you're thinking, hey, I'm going to have to squeeze. But you want to get depth off the ball so that if the backer looks like he's coming but doesn't come, that you can recover out and not get the quarterback killed, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not what they did. They just squeezed right away. Doyle didn't even come. Defensive end is free. They killed the quarterback. Just, I used to try and I used to try and get in the like in the B gap tight as a linebacker to try and force a squeeze call to get the defensive end in a one on one with the running back instead of the tackle is what I would always try and do. I'd try and get in there and see that tackle start tapping his butt and know that we got the call and then I'll just loop and add to the rush on the other side. Well, but, you're you're smarter than most linebackers, <laughs> so congrats. And then. Well, uh, Last guy, sorry, that was a, was a little in the weeds with the empty protection there, but uh, Anton Harrison just you know, you knew this was coming in this game for him. Uh, we, we've talked about the necessity for him to have a big offseason in the weight room, and the lack of power and explosiveness and strength was magnified in this game. I mean, Baylor's got, they got some strong dudes along the yeah. defensive line. 55, 6, 7, 2 with like arms that are 10 feet long. Yeah. And you, you look at this game, Anton Harrison, he did some, did some okay things, but in pass protection, got put in the QB's lap consistently. I mean, just far too often. 
uh, didn't displace anyone in the run game. And right now, as I watch him, like he's very average. And I'm not entirely sure what his ceiling is, but he he's the type of guy he's got to decide how good he wants to be. Because right now, with what I'm watching, like he's a uh, I don't know middle of the road tackle in the Big Twelve Conference. That's that's where he's at. Yeah. Well, I know that like just whenever you look at it as a whole really a lot of these same things that we're talking about have been, and and, you know, a lot of times it seems like it's real nitpicky on stuff whenever you don't need to be, but you know, it's, it's things we've been talking about that you can't continue to do if you want to try and, you know, hit all the goals that you've set there as, as a team, like some of this stuff is just, you're getting away with it and you're winning against teams that, you can get away with it and win and you didn't look all that impressive doing so, but you're able to win. If those things, if those details aren't honed in on, it's, it's going to eventually it's going to bite you. There's, there's too many good football teams out there that you can't do it and go win a championship. You just cannot do that. You've got to be on the screws on all the little details and all the techniques you have to be. All right, let's talk some OU defense against Baylor. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And congrats to at Sooners only on Twitter on winning this week's $25 game day gift card from Love's. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the drinks and snacks, and of course, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Okay. Seems like the defense played okay. What'd you think? I thought I thought it was okay at times. I, I thought it was was really good at times. Um, okay at others, and there's there's bad mixed in there. Um, you know, a couple of the just start with the bad. A couple of the running concepts that we've continued to have tr- trouble with this year uh, bit us again. Um, now Deshaun Wyatt was not there. He he had to miss the football game, so we had more play from. Aguebu and Stutzman. And what those guys just are not 
as good at right now as Deshaun White is, is reading your keys, knowing where to line up, knowing who is your key and following those and understanding blocking concepts and what running plays they're building off of those. There's, there's a lot of plays that had, um, you know, that either turned into explosives or that were eight, nine, 10, 12 yard running plays are guys really late on their keys, bad footwork on following the blocking schemes and where they fit. And, you know, and once you're late, we talked about this with Abram Smith, you know, football is, it's a, it's a game of inches. And I know that's so cliche, but the difference of taking a six inch false, uh, six inch inch false step, and then recovering to get where you need to be is you end up having to go lateral to get there. And when you're lateral, you don't have any power and you got a back that's going a hundred miles an hour straight downhill. And it turns into a collision where he ends up dragging you for three or four yards. And over how many, do you know how many times Baylor ran the ball, Gabe? 50 something right there at right. 47 rushes, 47 rushes. So if you're running the ball 47 times and you're getting drugged for one or two or three yards on every one of those, which it's not every one of them, but you get the point. You're talking about a whole bunch of lost yardage in there, and it all stems from being able to read your keys and follow blocking schemes and be in the right spot. And that's not just all uh, – It's not. it wasn't just all linebackers, and I'm not zeroing those guys out. It's just – it's a bunch of guys with technique and, and being just a little bit out of position. Um, quarterback run game stuff bit us. And after the first couple of times, this goes back to having some younger backers out there or, or guys that aren't as uh, experienced and savvy as Deshaun White is. It took entirely way too long in the football game to start to understand what they're throwing at you and what it looks like and how to adjust to it. Um, and that, that cost us. Bo Hannon had some super critical runs that were sparks to their offense. Um, in the passing game, I thought, I thought the pressure on Bo Hannon was okay. They make it incredibly difficult to get to him. Ball comes out quick or they max pro. Very little just drop back stuff with five-man protection where you have a real chance to to work our games and our pass rush and uh, what we're best at. And we didn't stop the run well to put him in, in a lot of those predictable spots. But um, I think Key Lawrence's inexperience at corner got exposed some. Um, not a bunch. I still think that he made some nice plays out there, but um, he had some mistakes there. Now, we did get Woody Washington back in, DJ Graham back in, and I think that's ultimately where we want to be corner wise but you know if if i've got two big complaints maybe three of how we played it was uh poor technique and eyes knowing where we're supposed to be right poor tackling like there was there's too many missed tackles out there or bad attempts at tackles where we're getting drug and three not enough pressure on the quarterback and that, in my opinion, is linked to the first two. 
the first two problems make it to where it's incredibly difficult to get to the quarterback because of, you know, just you're, you're not putting them in predictable situations. They're still, uh, still able to, to have access to their entire playbook and therefore it makes it difficult to get pressure. Yeah. And I did not think, and I, I think the, the defensive line did do some good things, right? Benito. A couple of plays. They were great. They had some plays where they really penetrated nicely. My, my only problem was they would have those plays and then they would have the plays where we, we talked about it going into the game where you cannot let that front side of those zone concepts, you cannot get dented. Uh, you call it getting caved, right? Mm-hmm. But there were, there were too many times where that happened, right? I, I wish we, I wish we would have seen a higher level of consistency from the defensive line when it came to just playing those concepts, right? Because it seemed like it was, hey, we're either getting knocked off the ball or we're running around a block and we're making a TFL. Like there was nothing in between, you know what I'm saying? It didn't seem like they could find consistency just like down in and down out against that concept. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things like if you're getting overreached and you come backside and make a play, well, it's like, hey, that's easy. I'm going to start doing that every time. And then you try, but you naturally, you come up a little bit whenever you do that. So the next time you're thinking about maybe going back door and their angle is a little bit better on you and that's already in your mind. Well, you're about to get blown off the football. So whenever, if you're waiting for that overreach to come, that is, that's my number one criticism of the interior of this defense. Line. And I guess it's really just pairing on Winfrey. Cause I thought, I thought Jalen Redmond did some really good things when I went back and watched it just from a physicality and a power standpoint. But Perry on Winfrey coming into the year, right? Supposed to be a dominant player. He is he's a guy that runs around blocks. That's what he does. Plays way too high. Plays very high, runs around blocks. I'm not sure, and I think I watched every defensive snap of that game again. I'm not sure I remember one time where it's like, okay, he's playing zone. He's pushing through the center, pushing through the double team. He's getting some penetration. It's forcing the ball to bubble. I'm not sure that happened once. And it's really, really hard to play against a good zone scheme team if you don't get any penetration, push, knockback from the interior defensive line. It's almost impossible. Yeah, well, he's he's got a he's got a bad combination right now. He plays too high and and tries to run around blocks too often. And he's small and I I at least it doesn't look like it to me. It doesn't look like he's all that strong for his position. Like the, the guys that are smaller like him that play interiorly are usually incredibly strong and play really, really low. Like Tommy Harris played at OU at probably like 285, 295 pounds, but he was so low and so strong that you couldn't block him. He just blow you off the ball. Being light and high is a horrible combination. And you go back and 
this is a little <laughs> little bit of a of an inside conversation, but it goes all the way back to that Tulane clip, right? Yeah. And that that one play right there, it's like it hasn't I mean, he's that uh, that hasn't happened to a guy like that as bad. I mean, there's there's been sometimes getting for, for those of you wondering what we're talking about, uh, <laughs> Teddy and I, after that two lane game, which did not go particularly well, if you if you remember, uh, Perry on Winfrey was power cleaned into the ground by two lane center, like picked up off of his feet and slammed into the ground by two lane center, who is from you know, from my sources is like a 400 pound power clean guy, but still it was, it was jaw dropping. And if you, right. if you want to go comb through that tape and find that play, you'll find it and you'll be like, Oh wow. But yeah, definitely have a couple times. Yeah. So, but, but that's like a, that should be a wake up call, right? I got to start playing way lower. I got to be more explosive coming off the ball and start playing with some better technique. But you know, I, it's just the improvement has never came like like we had hoped. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's get uh, to the call your shot stuff. Well, l- let me say this real quick. There was some. Uh, there was a guy that I thought played outstanding for a big portion of that football game. Number twenty four, Brian Osamola. He was flying all over the place. He, there was a couple of series where it felt like back-to-back, really in the first half, where it felt like he made every single play. Uh, he was flying downhill. But as the defensive line devolved, maybe got tired, I don't know, you, you'll see this. The linebackers are best whenever their defensive line is playing really well. That's, that's just the nature of it. While they're getting blocked by two guys – you're making a tackle for loss in the backfield. That's just how it goes. And as the defensive line maybe got tired, you know, got pushed around, his production dropped off. But he was flying. He was popping pads. He played a really good game. Yeah, when when Baylor's offense and OU's defense was on the field for the first three quarters of that game, he was the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was. He He was great. He was awesome. But unfortunately... Didn't get anything from the offense, wore down, and defense just like didn't hold up. And I don't know if that's an excuse, Ted, but it's just that fourth quarter, Baylor went right down the field a couple times, put points on the board, and it seemed like all of the all of the zone runs, and I talk about body blows a lot. Anyone that's heard me talk about offensive line play. It's like, oh, well, why are you doing this? You're only gaining two yards. But it's like, listen, all of those runs that are two, three yards in the first and second quarter, they add up. They take a toll on the defensive line. They take a toll on linebackers. And you saw it in the fourth quarter. Baylor had worn them down with all of the – now they had to play a ton of plays, which certainly doesn't help a defense, you know, withstand the level of play that OU was playing at. But – they added up and they broke them. That's what happened. Well, and back to the zone stuff. Like one of the reasons the zone is so difficult, the outside zone, is you're you're 
your like defensive lineman wants everything straight, right? He wants to be able to line up in on his gap, like in his position, fire off the ball, have his hands in the right place and good placement and fight that offensive lineman in a small area. That's what a D lineman wants. Whenever it's all going sideways and you're trying, you're fighting like hell to stay in your gap and they're chipping on you. There's two guys doubling and sifting up. I mean, that's 650 pounds on you that you're trying to run sideways and stay in your gap. It it's it requires a ton of energy and a ton of effort. And those plays wear on you, man. They really do. The time of possession was almost 11 minutes in the favor of Baylor. That's a long time to be on the football field. Correct. And it had everything to do with the offense not producing. This this game's on the offense in my mind. I thought I thought the defense played well enough to win the football game. So uh, let's see what some of the listeners think. Ask for your number one takeaway from OU's loss to Baylor. Uh, this one comes from GD Sanders on Twitter. It said lack of physicality, power on both offensive and defensive lines was their number one takeaway. I feel like we uh, we touched on that quite a bit. Well. Baylor was the stronger team at the line of scrimmage. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yep, there's there's no doubt. And um, I know everyone knows this, but it's not going to get any easier the next two weeks. Uh, Statistically, it's going to get way more difficult. But um, we have been – you can't be a championship team without winning the line of scrimmage. It's just not going to happen. That's got to be – that's got to be the renewed focus is – to win the line of scrimmage because we're going to be, we're going to be good. We're always going to be good, right? But to be a championship caliber team, you have to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage. I, I think that is how football games are won and lost. I say it before every broadcast, <laughs> it's, it's going to come down to the trenches and there, there's no doubt that there's no doubt that, uh, Baylor had an advantage, which is it's really hard to process for me how that can be the case. Hey, I doing the radio show the week leading up to it, I asked uh, my co-host a question. It's like, what what position, like, where are we better than Baylor? Like, what what position group do we have like a big edge with in in other than quarterback? And it's like, it's hard to come up with any. That's not good. You know, that's like, you know, you brought up the point that the the gap is getting narrower. It feels like it's gotten narrower between OU and the rest of the conference. I, it's almost to where there's not a gap anymore. I'm looking at the players, and it's sometimes it's hard to see who's the better team on the field. Well, there. Uh, let's get this out there, right? There was nothing fluky about that game on Saturday. Mm-mm. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, man, well, some things really went Baylor's way. No. that's. I don't think anyone that watched that game, like it doesn't matter if you know football really well or not, like I don't think anyone watched that and been like, mm, that one felt kind of lucky for the Bears. <laughs> it just – No. That wasn't nope. it. No, I, there's, there's a couple – like early it was like, okay, there's a little back and forth here. We're trying to figure out who's – who's dominating and then the the pendulum just swung and it just like it it didn't feel like 
there was going to be a way to climb back in. They were, they play, they had really good players that played good discipline football. Yep. And I, I do want to say the whole Caleb Kelly situation, just a bummer. Oh and yeah. Kids, kids done it the right way and just, you know, injuries suck. So proud. They be proud of what he did in his career, but just was just injury riddled and just unfortunate, man. Sometimes it, sometimes it's that way. Yep. Yeah. I hate it, man. He's, he's a, he's a good kid. You're exactly right. He's always done it the right way. He's, he's never been a problem guy. He's always been someone that, that all the coaches and everyone points to as, as, as a, um, you know, a good role model for the rest of the team. I hate it. Not, I've always said, man, once you get cut on, once you have a surgery, man, it just throws your body dynamics out and it feels like it always snowballs. Some guys, obviously, it doesn't, but it's tough, man. Well, one thing we didn't mention, Berkich missed two field goals, which I don't think is going to happen very often. And certainly, would they have been a boost in the game? Yeah, but I think that fourth quarter goes the same way whether they make field goals or not. Yeah. So. Yep. I agree. There's a reason we didn't spend a lot of time on that. All right. Birthday shout outs. Yes. Happy. Oh, and by the way, birthday shout out people. You can't DM me early the next morning saying, no, 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 no. I don't want the birthday shout out anymore because, oh, you lost. No, no, no. That's not how this works. There are no <laughs> take backs when it comes to the birthday shout out. So you're either good. I don't want fair weather birthday shout out people. Okay. So all of you that sent me that I'm reading all of them. So happy 10th birthday to Bristow's finest, Easton Tinsley. All right, Easton. Happy birthday, man. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Bristow's finest. That's difficult. A lot of good people in Bristow. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to Atlas Perry. Atlas. How about nice that name. name? Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, 63rd Atlas. birthday to Tim and Todd George. I'm guessing they're twins. Twins, twins? Basil. Awesome. Nothing and happy birthday. Than- Old, older twins, right? Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. Seasoned 63-year-old twins, Tim and Todd. I bet Tim and Todd have done some stuff in their day. <laughs> and then happy birthday to William Wayne Eden. What a great name, William Wayne. W. Billy w. Wayne. Eden. And then happy anniversary to Kenny and Renee Barker. First anniversary request. Oh, we're broadening. I like it. Uh, they're happy rolling in. Now, I will not point out which ones tried to take it back but you can't do that them's the rules all right let's get the national college football roundup but first do you own a business if you do you need insurica in your life insurica is one of the card card trees card trees is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices through oklahoma texas and the southwest insurica is able to customize programs by access, accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here, but does the weather really matter? 
It's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coupel Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs, the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. National College Football Roundup. Let's start with, oh, boy, what happened in Stillwater? I, I mean, I wonder if anyone called the cops because Oklahoma State assaulted DCU. Uh, final score, uh, Cowboys 63, Horn Frog 17, and it was not that close. It was, I mean, it was a beatdown, Ted. And Oklahoma State's formula, it continues to be very effective. And if you haven't heard it from us before, you, you must not listen to the podcast very often because the OSU formula, run the rock with Jalen Warren and play great defense. And that's exactly what Oklahoma State did on Saturday night. Just a dominant performance from the Cowboys uh, defensively, shut down TCU's run game entirely, absolutely got after Chandler Morris in the pocket. They put some other kid in. I didn't even know who he was, and that's not like I slided him. I was just like, man – they're Throw down to the, the depth wolves. chart. <laughs> yeah. But I'll say this, man. Spencer Sanders, these last four games, he he's playing some efficient winning football. He's taking care of the ball. He's making all the throws. He's not forcing anything. I mean, he's just been much better in the passing game. It seems like he's playing with a ton of confidence. And he's had he, he continues to have a few big plays a game. As a runner, whether it's called QB run or as a scrambler, man, I just I watched that game last night, Ted, and there's no doubt that Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big 12. I mean, there's no, no doubt. They look great. No doubt. No doubt. And frankly, they're starting to make it look like it's not close. And, you know, what you say about Spencer Sanders there, I think is, is perfect. He's playing his most efficient football. But what they're able to do by playing good defense and sticking with the run game is they take the pressure off of the quarterback. They take the pressure off of the quarterback. You don't have to go win the, the game for us. You don't have to go out there, scramble around like a chicken with your head cut off, wait for an open guy, and wing it down the field for some huge play. You don't have to do that. Hand it off throw the easy throw, the check down, use your athleticism from time to time. It's super simple. You don't, ha you don't have to go out and win the football game for us. Our defense is going to do that. We just have to be efficient, not turn it over, not put them in a bad spot. And it's, they've gotten, it's like he finally figured out his role on the football team, right? And once he figured that out, he's played a whole heck of a lot better. Yeah, and I'll say this, and they got a lot of confidence right now. I mean, you just watch them, especially defensively, right? They they believe they're good. They are good, but they believe they're good. And it shows up like when, you, when you're playing with confidence like that, I always talk about how important confidence is on the football field. It's a confident group. Those black jerseys look good. Also, great job on the blackout. It was mm -hmm. cool. All the Barry Sanders stuff was awesome. But I, I know uh, all those things, like they factor into the game, I guess. 
but it was just there was one team that physically dominated the other on that field in Stillwater, and they were wearing black. And it was it was impressive. And shout out to Dominic Richardson, the pride of Bishop McGinnis, finally getting some more carries. Now I know the game was in hand, but racked up some yards, scored a couple touchdowns. That away, Dom. I see you. What'd you think of the statue? I I I I don't love it. I don't either. Why why didn't they get like him doing one of his shifty cool like I get you put him in the Heisman pose, I understand that, but Barry Sanders did some things where it like defied the laws of physics with like his ankles and knees. I want one of those stances. They should have him like laid way over doing one of his his cut. I agree. I and it's kind of weird with the helmet. I dude, we are in the same wavelength with this statue. Like, I, do you show ever the man's see face? A, yeah. You usually don't see a statue like that with the helmet on, right? Yeah, you can't see his face. It could show, be anyone. Show us your face. I want to see your face. Yeah, it could be anyone in the statue. All right. Uh, but it was still cool that they did it and had it strapped to a flatbed truck on the way over there. Did you see that picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to get it there somewhere, man. I mean, no judgment. I'm just going to assume that thing was secured well with those straps. I'm just assuming that. Like, it still had all the wrap on it. It Hey, listen, all I know is they honored him, and then the football team destroyed the opponent. That's what what happened. That's how it's supposed to go. All right, Michigan, Penn State. Michigan goes to Penn State and wins 21-17 in what was a beautifully boring football game and a nice road win for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines, especially with Penn State seemingly pulling out all the stops in this one. I mean, fake punt, fake field goal. I think they went for it on fourth down like six times in this game. So Michigan's defense... Really, I, I think this came this game came down to them forcing Penn State to kick field goals in the red zone. And they got after Sean Clifford with a Jabo and Hutchinson. They hit him a ton. They sacked him like seven times. He was running for his life a lot. And I thought with how much pressure pressure Clifford was under, he actually played pretty well, used his legs to uh to pick up some yards as a scrambler, but Michigan's offense. It's it's not going to wow you, man. It's just not. But they gave it to Hassan Haskins a bunch. He's a powerful dude. Uh, runs really hard. Had some success in the running game. Cade McNamara was efficient. Uh, had some really nice Ooh. red zone throws. He had that one. It was like a skinny post that he crammed it in. That was a great he had He had two of those to that Roman was- Wilson. He looked like an NFL quarterback throwing that ball. That was awesome. Yeah, like anticipation throws, like big boy throws, and did enough, right? And when Michigan absolutely had to have it, right? McNamara gets blindsided, left tackle gets beat like a drum, sack, strip, fumble. Penn State turns that into a field goal to go ahead in that game, right? Had to put a drive together. They run Haskins a little bit, and then they find the big big tight end, Eric All, to – to go ahead with the game-winning score. Right? It was a huge play in that game. Michigan's defense was able to get a stop. So it's it wasn't pretty, Ted. It wasn't dominant, but
but it's a win on the road against Penn State. It's a nice win. It's a nice win. The Big Ten's going to have some fireworks down the stretch, man. The next two weeks in the Big Ten are going to be awesome. I'm with you. I'm with you. And speaking of that, Ohio State rolled Purdue. But we, you know, in the our last episode, we talked. Hey, maybe would could I o- Ohio State or maybe Georgia? Like, could something crazy happen to either of those teams? No, 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 no. <laughs> Ohio State bludgeoned Purdue with their offense. They scored forty five in the first half against Purdue. Ted, CJ Stroud, he looked fantastic, and I'm not so sure with that performance. All of a sudden, he's going to start getting some real Heisman buzz. Here soon. I, I bet Especially it's just the week last, for people. The way this season ends for him, it's going to be uh, high profile. Yeah. So he's he's spreading the ball around. Uh, Travion Henderson still. Guy's talented at the running back position. And I, I know Purdue scored some points. And a lot of Ohio State fans I saw on Twitter, they're complaining about the defense. I'm like, guys, I, the defense is fine if the offense plays that way. You'll be fine. Like No one's going to outscore him. So <laughs> It'll be it'll be interesting what Ohio State's next couple of weeks, right? Two big games. Yep. Yep. It's going to be big. And I hate to say this, but Purdue kind of brought this on themselves by playing so well early in the season and knocking off some top teams. Like, Ohio State wasn't going to be sleeping on Purdue coming into this week. Yeah. They've but, made that mis- mistake before. Yeah. Ohio State gets Michigan State and Columbus – on on Saturday, and then they finish up in Ann Arbor against Michigan. Hey, Tennessee almost scored 20 points on Georgia. <laughs> it was close, Ted, right? especially the way that, that game started. I was like, oh, I'm going to look like a genius. They're going to score 20. Got to 17, lost 41-17, so it wasn't a particularly close football game. But, man, Georgia just looks better than everyone else. And... Do you remember? Do you remember the Georgia law firm, right, with the running backs? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We may have to adjust the name, right? It it, it may have to get adjusted to Cook White McIntosh and Stetson, because he's become Stetson Bennett has become a weapon with his legs for them, and he's he is what he is in the passing game. He's kind of a game manager. Now he will force the ball down the field and. Guy's not afraid to take some risks, but that is that is a new element to the Georgia offense. Stetson Bennett's running ability to not see this coming. I think we may be venturing into the uh, Bennett and Associates type of law firm. Wow. Man, you're going to and Associates, Cook, White, and McIntosh? Right? That's brutal. Well, maybe it's maybe it's Macintosh and Associates. I, there's just so many of them. However you want to do it, well, at some point you get to such a list, don't you have to go Associates? Well, Cook, White, Macintosh, and Stetson sounds, or excuse me, Stetson, but Cook, White, Macintosh, and Bennett actually sounds like a real law firm. Like, <laughs> that, you're like, oh yeah, I would totally let those guys represent me. <laughs> but sound, They sound good. But that defense, man. Whew. Tennessee black 17. jerseys, pretty cool, but not I, like not a fan. No, I they they look fine. I think black always looks good. Yeah, it looks fine. Black black is you can't mess up black. But their orange unis are so cool. They look so good. Like 
I always say if you are a big time program and you're a traditional program and someone turns the TV over, they shouldn't have to look to see who's playing. Right. Like, they should recognize, know and recognize who you are instantly. And that could have been anyone. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point, but yeah, George's defense is still awesome. I'm shocked. Hey, give hype credit scored more than anyone else scored on them all year by quite a margin. Damn right. Way to go. Volunteers. Impressive stuff. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with soft rocks, rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft rock of OKC specializes in custom slip resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock in the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Man... I, uh, this one kind of hurts. It, it is, uh, it's a weird spot to be jealous of Oklahoma state. Oh, but what, what is here happening we are. here? Oklahoma, the winner of the week is Oklahoma state's defense. Gabe, Oklahoma state is now number eight in scoring defense in the country. They're top 10 scoring defense in the country, giving up 16.3 points a game. They are, drum roll please, they are the number three total defense in the country. Georgia, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. That's your top three. They're giving up. Only 277 yards a game. Georgia's given up 246. They are playing elite defense. Elite. That, okay, first of all, I'm, I'm stunned. For, for those of you that don't know, it causes, Ted, physical pain to compliment <laughs> Oklahoma State. 
for you to make them your winner of the weekend, like, are you okay, man? I know you had a rough Sunday picking up the leaves. It was rough. It was rough. Um, were you just thinking about Oklahoma state's defense the entire time you were picking up all those leaves? I was, I was, uh, I was working myself into a, a pit of despair thinking about Oklahoma state and how good their defense is that, you know, whenever we looked at the big 12, you know, a, a couple of years ago, if you would have told me that the first team to play elite defense in the big 12, because it hasn't happened in a, in a long time, it was going to be Oklahoma state. I would have laughed, but you cannot argue with the numbers. Number three total defense in the entire country. That's that is really really impressive. Got to give them credit. It is, and you know one thing that stands out to me when I watch them, and obviously they got good players at the second and third level, right? But that defensive line, you talk about taking on blocks, playing with knockback. I know they don't have any necessarily big names, right? You're not going to see a bunch of those guys. Now, Colin Oliver, I think we all can agree, he is on his way to being a dude, mm-hmm. right? But, I mean, when you talk about Lacey and Brock Martin and Antoine and, like, all those guys, it's not like these are all Americans or anything like that. They just, they're just tough, man. They're hard to block. Yep. They're- they're physical. They're nasty. Like they they hit the quarterback. They play with knockback. They get off blocks. They don't run around blocks. They're in their gap. Like they just play the right way along the line of scrimmage defensively. Yep. And on the back end, it makes it to where the the linebackers play like it's it's easier to play that way. And Malcolm Rodriguez is excellent. He is an excellent tackler, plays totally under control. You can tell you you can tell whose defense that is out there, right? And whenever you watch them play, he's in charge of everything. They're they're good, man. They're better than good. They're elite. He's got eighty six tackles already. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? It get it's hard to make a lot of tackles and get a lot of production on defenses that are really good because you don't you end up not playing a whole lot of reps, a whole lot of snaps, and you don't get as many opportunities. So yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I still can't believe you did Oklahoma State. Oh my gosh, dude. We're you're in a bad place. I know. Do we need to talk about it or no, you're you're fine, right? It's okay. I'm I'll get through this. Hey, I call it how it is, man. No, we we have never, we've never had trouble giving Oklahoma state credit on this podcast. They just haven't been this good since we've started doing this podcast. So it's a little different. Avoiding it. Um, The loser is Iowa state's defense. They go out and give up 41 to Donovan Smith. Um, I don't, it, it, statistically, they're still really good, right? But they gave up over 500 yards. Uh, he was 25 of 32 for 322 and three touchdowns. Gave up over 200 yards rushing. They, they got no business 
playing that way against Texas Tech. There's, there's, they got no business. And here's the thing. Um, when Baylor played their horrible game against TCU, a lot of people looked at that and said, Baylor, yeah, they're not any good. They've been playing over their heads. Not a good football team. Iowa State's defense put out a, a horrible performance for how many good players that they have. But I promise you, that is not the team we're going to see Saturday, just like Baylor, right? We are going to get Iowa State, after a couple of losses, that team had like, they were top 10. They had national championship aspirations. And as it's all fallen apart, they've, looks like lost motivation. That ain't going to be the case coming in here. All those older guys, seniors want to cap off their final year by beating Oklahoma. That that five star culture is going to show up in Norman. Yes, I love I love how you you talk about this game, and even though you have, I mean, you've made a big step today, right? Complimenting <laughs> Oklahoma State, you still refuse to compliment kickers. Did you see that kick? Sixty two yards to win it for the Garibay kid from Tech. I didn't see that. That's how but... the game ended. Texas Tech wow. game was tied. Texas Tech kicked a 62-yarder to win it, and this dude drilled the hell out of the football. Like, it was it was one where you just, like, almost audibly gasped when you saw it going. You were like, oh, my, that had space. Dude. Like, he kicked the shit out of the ball. Okay, well, that goes right back to the Iowa State defense. Uh, loser of the weekend. You can't let a guy drive a 62-yarder. You know it's going to be coming out low. Go block the thing. Come on. Well, I mean, they also they gave up the yardage that led to the field goal attempt, right? Because Iowa State had went down, kicked a field goal to tie the game, and then they allowed the yardage to get to that. And then, dude, I, I was watching that game. The first half, Iowa State's defense, they had one interception, right? Other than that, I don't think they had a single stop. I think Texas Tech scored on every possession, like touchdown. Crazy. I can look it up. Here we go. Here it is. I don't know how that happens to them. So, Tech, touchdown on the first possession, interception on the second, then touchdown, 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 field goal. Whew. Yeah. Not good. Not good for the Cyclones defense. Okay. I think you may need some whiskey or bourbon. Ted, mm. and if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of baby, uh, Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. It's the fancy corn. And that's why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcony's Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it a perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony's Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to ever win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. 
All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Lewis Hamilton. Ted started at P10 at the Brazilian Grand Prix. Didn't matter. Outdueled Max Verstappen. He came all the way up, and it didn't happen right away. Ted wasn't able to pass him until the third try. Blew by him with DRS. And this this weekend, this race, good reminder. While Verstappen may be the best right now, Hamilton's still the goat, baby. What a, what what an exhilarating race. Am I right? It was exhilarating. That's right. It was great. Figured you'd think the same. It actually hey, was, was that today. That wasn't today, was it? Yeah, it was today. Sunday. They race on Sundays. I wa- there was one that was on Friday night and Oh, the sprint? Think, is that what maybe that's what is that what that was? Yeah, there's like qualifying. I forget which order it goes in. Except that like Friday and Saturday, I'm locked into college football. My F1, my F1 is strictly for Sunday, but some of these races, there's what they call the sprint, which is like a mini race where they can't change their tires. And like, I don't know. It's gotcha. There, there's a lot that goes on to that sport. I just watched the race or excuse me, the Grand Prix. Nice. Gotcha. Okay. But also thought about going with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they smacked the Falcons on Sunday. I mean, absolutely smacked 43 to three. And at one point, the score was 28-3, and the Falcons tweeted out there like, we know, we get it. I was just like, oh, that's when you know it's a rough day. But, man, the, the winner of the weekend, it's got to be your New England Patriots. Your New England yep. Patriots. Uh, the Cleveland Browns went to Foxborough and got smacked 45-7. to Forty. Looked like they were going to get shut out. Uh, and... Mac Jones was great, right? I think it's time. We got to acknowledge he's like, some people are, is, is it the system? Blah, blah, blah. No, he's just good. He's just yeah. good at playing quarterback. And you look at, you look at how that game went. It was, it was so bad, Ted, because red zone, I'm always, I'm a red zone guy on Sundays, right? And sometimes there's good games and sometimes there's just not many good games going. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to watch one game for a little bit. So I focused in on the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, uh, New England game for a little bit, and it got so out of hand in the second half. CBS just decided, Oklahoma City, you've had enough. We're switching you here? to another game. They switched <laughs> it to the Titans Saints game. I swear, I was like, wow, that's when, that's when you know this thing is over. So running clock in the NFL. Yeah, but and it was like if you were watching the game, Browns first drive, take it right down the field, eleven plays. Go score a touchdown. Went for it on fourth down. Scored a touchdown. You're like, all right, this this is going to be a good one. And it went poorly from that point for the Cleveland Browns. You got to give all the credit to the Patriots. But, man, Baker did not play particularly well. Looked like he has now added another injury to his list of ailments. I don't know. It looks like his knee, his leg. I, I don't know. But wasn't getting around great. And, boy. I mean, the Patriots just ran the hell out of the ball, and they did it with Ramondre Stevenson. And it was it was really fun to see him have that type of performance. 100 yards, two touchdowns, got 20 carries. I mean, so he was – uh, like, He was concussion protocol, right? Yeah, and ended up playing. I didn't know if he was going to play, and played great. Mac Jones was good. Patriots defense was good, and – the Cle- Cleveland's was not. It was just a, it was a beatdown, man. Yep. 
And I continue out on the streets, around the water cooler, continue to hear more and more people starting to say that New England's going to win the Super Bowl. And I think those people are all right. It's going to happen. Six and four and improving. That's Six right. and four and improving. You, just, you don't want to peak early. You got to settle in. It's all about getting hot at the right time. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Auburn. What the hell, Auburn? They blew a 28-3 lead at home to Mississippi State. What was that? Well, you and I, Lane we both Kiffin, picked him to win. Lane Kiffin says that uh, Mike Leach is the best offensive coach in the country. I guess. <laughs> but 28-3, I don't know. That was, come on. But, man, when when it comes to, now I I also considered going with the Arizona Cardinals, but we're, we're still, we're recording this uh, during their game against the Panthers. Uh, they are currently down, and I know Colt McCoy's playing and Kyler's not playing, but they're currently down 20 to nothing to, to the Carolina Panthers. And it's about to be halftime. It's a two-minute warning right now as we record it. So Ouch. not great, not great, but there's only one choice, and we saved, we saved this for last on purpose. Loser of the weekend, the University of Texas Longhorns. It has been it has been a rough couple weeks for that program and for Steve Sarkeesian. You had you had Pole Assassin and her monkey. <laughs> then you had the Bo Davis leaked video and all of you know everyone sharing their opinion on that, including us. But surely getting out there and beating up on Kansas wouldn't be an issue because it's Kansas. It's Kansas. And, well, the Longhorns go down in overtime to the Jayhawks 57-56. And maybe the worst part about it is that they had to overcome a three-touchdown deficit to do it. Right Down 21 at halftime. They were down 42-21 in the third quarter and really had to have some things go their way to force overtime at home. Kansas, Kansas. They shit the bed. They shit yeah. the bed. They, they, That's they the only way up. to put it. At the they end, got, they, they totally, it was bad. Yeah, they, they uh, the old, the old keisters got tight for the Jayhawks. They started making some mistakes. They were like, oh my gosh, we're actually going to win. And they got real, real tight. But to, to their credit, first of all, before, before we roast Texas, you got to give credit to Lance Leipold and, and that yeah. Kansas team. And, and Jalen Daniels, he's, he clearly makes a difference for them. At oh, he's great. He was he, great. And it, his interview. the last play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know that they want to redshirt him. Whoever, By the way, whoever the color analyst was on that game was – he was a real douche. I don't know what his deal was. <laughs> I don't know. What, like, everyone was talking about it, dude. Like, what is this guy's deal? Like, he just – it was odd, but the the cool part about the game, like the game winner, right? They go, they end up going for two after they score a touchdown. By the way, Devin Neal was great for for Kansas in that game at running back, but they end up going for two to win it. Leipold said, "Hey, let's let's end it one way or another right here." And how about the walk on fullback, Jared Casey, 
catching the game-winning two-point conversion. This guy hadn't played a single offensive snap until last night. And Ted, please Are you kidding tell me, me? You that's saw. his first offensive snap. The, that wow. game was the first time he had played offensive snaps okay. for Kansas all year long. That was crazy. I thought whenever he chest bumped that guy, I thought, thought he, he blew his ACL. Yeah, same. <laughs> Awful celebration. And uh, whichever teammate of that uh, of his that was, they, they got to feel bad, right? Making him look that silly after after winning the game. But did you see the video of his parents? No. They're like someone's filming it from his cell phone. I don't know if it's his brother, but his parents, it, they've got like the raw footage as it happens. The dad's like, I think that was Jared. I think, <laughs> he just starts, he's like, had a boy, had a boy. <laughs> He's like, you the man. It's, dude, it is. Awesome. You got to go find it. It is awesome. It's just, it, it's great. It's what, it's what football is all about, right? But that all being said, happy for Kansas. But this is rock bottom for Texas football. It, it's one thing to lose to Kansas and Lawrence. It's a complete other thing to lose to Kansas at home at night. And, They've lost five games in a row for the first time since like the 50s. And they just lost to Kansas at home. They're four and six on the season. They've got locker room problems, right? I I don't think anyone that watched that game last night watched it and went, you know what? I think Steve Sarkeesian's got a lot of buy-in from his players. In fact, he was asked if he thought the players had tuned out, tuned him out after the game. He was like, ah. You got to ask them that. <laughs> so, mm. I mean, that's as bad as it gets. KU had lost 56 straight Big 12 road games, Ted. 56. Their last road win in conference play was October 4th of 2008. George Bush was the president. I saw yes. someone tweet that Obama out. Obama <laughs> hadn't even been elected yet. I mean, it's... It is, it's been bad at times for Texas, but this is the same team that was up 28 to seven on Oklahoma in the first half. It's the yep. same team that, that they are not this, this bad. So that tells you that there's, there's, there's some heavy push and pull going on right now with that locker room and that coaching staff. I mean, you talked about the way they were warming up before the OU Texas game. Like it was a full on bloodbath down there. And it's like that split the team, you know? And I, I, I don't know. Maybe this staff can recover. I mean, you heard them say if you want to transfer, transfer. I, I don't know. It's they had the fan base after that video came out. I wonder what the, the fan base is, what they're saying about the staff now, or if they're blaming players. I, oh, it's bad times. It is, I wonder, I would love to know, and maybe there's a way you can look this up. I'm just not technologically savvy enough, but I wonder how many people Googled Steve Sarkeesian buyout last night. Oh, yeah. I know one did, and it was this guy. Oh, I thought you were going to say Steve Sarkeesian. It, it may have been Steve. <laughs> but I think it's like, it's like 20 million. That's what, like 20 and a half million is what my Google search uh, they can't up. fire him after the first season. That would no. be so dumb. I, That'd be, 
I think that I think that this like situation had to happen at Texas. If you're going to change the culture, you got to change it, and there has to be there has to be some type of moment for that to happen. And I think over the last week or so, we've seen enough things unfold to where I I I still think he's a good good coach, and that's a good staff. I I'm also, and by the way, I'm one of the best couch doctors you've ever seen. All these people are telling me, oh, Bijan broke his wrist. He broke his arm, blah, blah. I was like, nope, hyperextended elbow. It's an elbow injury. And that's what it is. Sounds like he will be done for the rest of the year, which is unfortunate. But if you're him, man, what really, what really is there left to accomplish the rest of the season right. for the Longhorns? So I'm sure his elbow hurts like shit today and he's not loving it. And hopefully I don't know if he has to have surgery or not. Like all those details haven't come out, but it is, it always, it always makes me sad to see any college football player get hurt, but especially one, his caliber. So, but luckily not like a knee or mm-hmm. anything like that, just an elbow. So it was fun watching you, Bijan. We'll see you next season. Yeah. He's, he's stud. Or will we? He's good. He'll be back. He'll be back somewhere at Texas. We'll see. Wouldn't mind seeing him in Norman. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. All right. You got anything else? Nope. That's it, man. All enjoy, good. Enjoy. Enjoy the family pictures. I. Oh, it's gonna be so fun. Do you have multiple outfits? No. Is it a no. one outfit thing? For me, it is. Yeah. I. This will. Hopefully, this takes ten minutes. Okay. Well, let let me know how that goes. <laughs> okay. Let me know if that timeline stays in place. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch the Thunder. At this point, I don't care if they win or lose. I want them to win every game. If you want the Thunder to lose, you're the problem. Let's go. <laughs> Thunder surprising everyone. SGA, Giddy, Dort. Love it. And on that note, episode one sixty four in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. We will preview OU Iowa State. You can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.